Welcome to episode 321 of Live Happy Now. Summertime is a great time to catch up on your reading, and this week we're going to give you some tips on great positive psychology reads for the rest of your summer. I'm your host, Paula Phelps, and today's guest, Andrea Gigline, is an author and a champion for knowledge. She also has advanced training in positive psychology and incorporates its elements into her work as a success coach for business leaders. This week, she's here to talk about five great books that you can read to make your summer happier and improve your well-being. Andrea, welcome back to Live Happy Now. Oh, thank you so much. You know, I just admire the work that you have been doing continually and specifically over 2020. You have put out some incredible information and helpful to everyone who listens. Thank you so much. I mean, it's obviously it's a pleasure and a, and a joy to be able to do this. And this episode we're having now, this came out of a conversation that you and I had had about some of the importance of some of the books that are out there. You know, Live Happy Now, we cover a lot of the new books that are coming out. And you really have a great base of knowledge about the foundational books of positive psychology. So with everything new that's coming out, why is it important for us to go back and revisit some of these other books? You know, here's my perspective on this. And it was really highlighted so dramatically in a hike that I had this weekend, where a former client who is now a friend, we were talking about all the things, you know, the the wonderful little quotes, the snippy little quotes that are on the Instagram and everywhere that you look. And she was somewhat annoyed because she was comparing these snippy little quotes that people were putting out with the work that she felt she had done and with me. And, and I said, well, you know, you have to be respectful. I said, generationally, I said, we are now almost into the two and a half generations of people who have been absorbing this work. And they aren't. They're coming on to the newer work and they're younger and maybe they're not as grounded quite yet. And that was really It was my appreciation for the fact that we are now in a mature science of positivity where the grounding work set the foundation so well and the founding mothers and fathers of the field, I've looked across their work yet again, each one of them, and every time I go to the conferences, they are bringing up the next generation of scholars. And It is why I say we must go back and make sure that everyone at a minimum skims through and really sees the richness of how the field of positivity and positive psychology were were grounded and are grounded. That's such a great perspective. And I know when it's interesting to be able to go back and revisit some of these early works and see now what has grown out of it, because you can you can honestly, you could do like a flow chart and say like, oh, this is where this came from. Absolutely. When the book Flow came out, which is one of the books we'll talk about today, Mikhail Csikszentmihalyi, you know, he is truly one of the founders. His research grounds so much of what Marty Seligman brought into the field. What was it basically research about? You know, that there is this optimum way that we self-invigorate is the terminology, absolutely not out of the book, what the research, what he devoted his dissertation to. That's where flow, the original book, you know, came from was he had already, you know, done his dissertation. There had been a few other books and articles. And what he was really studying was the, what does it take for optimal human experience? What does that actually take? And what he found 
was this combination of things that we've all become accustomed to, that when you really are in a state of time has no real meaning because you're so either excited and focused. And focus is a really big thing because the reason time has no meaning is that you've kind of stopped paying attention to anything but the thing that you are working on or working with. And one of the interesting aspects of that feeling and getting that feeling. And many of us, you know, we all like to do the easy stuff first because we think that we'll get, yeah, we think (laughs) we're going to cross a thousand things off our list really quick. But the truth is, if we spend the time on the one thing that stretches us, that will really get us closer to our goal, that actually gets us to the more optimum feeling. Just crossing those easy things off the list doesn't do it. So for me, going back And I will tell you that this process and this conversation caused me to go back, take these books off my shelf, and I've listed out, I've got every one of them on Audible, over, you know, hikes and walks this summer. I'm going to listen back through them because I always learn something. You know, I just urge your listeners, particularly those who feel that they have to defend their level of positivity or those who are really challenged to be positive. You will find out why when grounded well, it is not magical thinking, but the magic comes from within you because you are so excited about what you are doing. It's really an internal game. It's that real switch from you don't care what's going on on the outside. You have so lit your own fire inside. Love it. So let's take a look at these books. Where would you like to start? Would you like to start with flow? Well, yes. And I think that I've pretty much said why flow is so important. Know that this book is one of the few really grounding parts that I think then stepped into the learned optimism one. But flow was that initial study and the studies went on for years and years and years where they actually got people to stop. Like you'd be in the middle of doing a task and a buzzer would go off and you'd have to rate. How do you feel? What are you thinking? All of these different questions. And that's how they began the science of of what are people feeling when they are doing certain things? When do they feel better about it? And that is different for each of us. I urge everyone to start paying attention. And that is one of the key takeaways, the key information. It was one of those huge messages where your personal awareness was so critical to your personal achievement. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, we do not, there is no such thing as a one size fits all in this. What we know is that we have good grounding in the science. It is then your responsibility to step back and say, when am I feeling my best when I'm doing certain tasks, certain work? When do I light my own fire? Yeah, yeah. it is such a great book to help you learn how to do it and really identify what, what goes on when you're in that moment. And I think for those who are more skeptical, it also helps see that this didn't just come out of, oh, I feel really good today. You know, (laughs) they really, you know, come on. We've all been called Pollyannas. We've all, you know, we've all, and, and I am very respectful of that. Until you really can appreciate how deep the science is and how thoughtful the grounding was in studying each piece of what makes us perform and live life at its best and not just perform at work. It is that overall science of achieving optimum performance in your life and in your relationships. 
So for me, that's why flow is, I've already listened to the, uh, the Blinkist version of it just to get ready for today. <laughs> to get, and I'm your pump, man. I, it is. I do get excited about it. I am that person. So. I, I, know, I know you are. That's why we're talking. So then that from flow, that leads us into. I'm going to tell you where it's going to lead, lead us into. And it's learned optimism. And in a way, I'm giving you my roadmap. And it was really not a roadmap. It was more like someone put me down a road, like flow came into my life. And then there were huge potholes. And in the middle of sitting in that huge pothole of life, someone handed me the book Learned Optimism. Who wrote that book? Oh, it is Marty Seligman. A name Marty you've probably e. heard Seligman. before. Yes. And so for those who do not know, he carries the crown of the term, the father of positive psychology. He will equally have Mikhail Csikszentmihalyi right by him. He will equally, I mean, his devotion to the work that Chris Peterson did in developing the values. But when it comes to who was the person when given the ability, and his ability was becoming the president of the APA and really changing the focus of instead of what is wrong, you know, like why are depressed people depressed? You know, like it's silly now when we think about it, because of course, if you keep studying why depressed people are depressed, all you get to know is how to be depressed. <laughs> <laughs> I know and it seems so logical it now. It seems so logical now, but the truth was that's the, I understand the grounding of the science, and I, I could just imagine what it was like at that point when Marty took over the presidency, and it was like, oh, wait a minute. What if, in fact, we studied healthy people? and found out why healthy people were healthy. And out of this book, out of Learned Optimism, I learned two things. Number one, my claim to fame with this book is that while I was in that pothole of life and someone handed me this book, I spent a lot of time being really cranky because this tests, you know, different surveys in it. And gosh knows, I love the surveys. And the survey came out that I wasn't an optimistic person, and I was offended by it. <laughs> and, you know, I had to really own that, in fact, I had been brought up in the system where being too optimistic and being wrong, if the, the outcome didn't happen the way my optimism had hoped, that, in fact, I was viewed as not very smart and not doing the right thing. And I wasn't alone in this, but I had been trained to be more critical than was actually necessary there. And, and the book helped me see that. And the thing that I took away the most from this was whether I was pessimistic or optimistic. If I just focused again, one focus going back to flow put your attention one place. My attention went to explanatory style. And it was amazing how just the way you speak about something really made the difference to whether or not you in that moment had hope it could be changed or you became defeated and didn't take any action. That's such a powerful tool to learn. Yes. And so once you learn that, what book did you go to? For me, the next book was Authentic Happiness, where that by that point, Marty had been able to coalesce enough of the field and enough of the various research that 
what really the cream that came to the top when you start thinking what is the optimal human experience well authentic happiness is the book where they really begin to talk about virtues and strengths that these natural virtues and strengths that you have are really the tool that helps you feel that state of flow when you use them the most in the tasks that you're doing so there is this you know this beautiful little breadcrumb field that one piece of learning turned into the other piece of learning turned into the other piece of learning. And that's why I think these books are so critical to go back and revisit, to remind yourself that with all the fluff and stuff that gets put out on the internet, the science that is behind the techniques. And, you know, like I was trained to the 12 base techniques, but they came out of these books and authentic happiness was that next big launch into having that happen. Yeah. So, you know, it was the way by this time, positive psychology, you know, Marty had used his position, the work that Chris Peterson did in validating the strengths. It just gave it such great basis to be able to handle the criticisms that were definitely going, you know, the broader the information came, you know, it was definitely going to happen. And that's why, the follow-on to that for me would be positivity. Ah, yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, because what Barbara Fredrickson did in creating the lab that she did, she explored love. You know, many of us talk about, oh, I love my job. I love this. I love that. And then on cranky days, you know, you don't love anything. We either love things or we don't love things. So, you know, like, There's no in between. There's no in between. And, you know, I am the practitioner who took an eight. I took an eight week class on how to remove going back to explanatory style, how to remove the word hate from my language. Oh, wow. Yes, it was a very interesting process, but I am an extrovert. Extroverts tend to think with their mouths open and, <laughs> <laughs> and then their brains catch up a little bit later. But one of the things when I examined my explanatory style was I either hated everything or loved it. I was black and white. I can go straight down black and white. It was never or always. And those were the exact types of words that in authentic happiness you start to look at and what positivity did was take that one word love that we use in the weirdest ways sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> but it broke it down to a science and it put the positive emotions what do we mean and i got to see barbara at um the apa conference two or three years ago i think it was in 17 where you know she showed the latest research on how in fact when we speak of love in the context of positive psychology what we are talking about is those spontaneous moments of elation when humor has come into something or you're in awe of something or you feel such a, a feeling of gratitude that collectively you just know that at this second, it doesn't have to last forever. What you have to do is get a lot more of those feelings running. But 
love is that spontaneous moment of combustion where your awareness, your focus, all of it just lines up and you're as happy as a little clam. I think clams are happy. <laughs> I don't know. They say it's they a are. Silly say. What if yeah, we found that, out they know, are? This is, I don't know who did that science, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, somebody what obviously a, did. Yes. What, what's it take to be a happy clam? <laughs> yes. So positivity, you know, it was the book that added and added in a way to those things that were being debated. It's not talking about the romantic love that we get into. When we are building on those positive emotions, which is one of the key things that comes into flourishing, which comes out of another one of, you know, Marty's books, but positive emotions and relationships and how you structure them from a non-sexual way. And that feelings, those feelings are the things that actually stay with you and refire more often. Yeah. So, you know, she definitely laid the groundwork. And I recently found, you know, she's, her lab has also been working pretty aggressively on the concepts of spirituality and the impact of spirituality, which that thread has gone through all of the the books from Authentic Happiness on. Yeah. yeah. And that's a very, you know, critical part of the conversation. It is. And I'm glad you brought that up because yes. that, that does tend to get overlooked just not in the books, but in the conversation about the books. Yes. And I had, and I believe it was out of Marty's book. I think it was, or, you know, this gets to be a blur. I think it was Authentic Happiness where a colonel at West Point was actually in charge of that research, spirituality and positive psychology for soldiers and for those at West Point. And he developed that and taught that curriculum there. And it is definitely an aspect that helps, you know, when does the spirit come alive? How do you think about the internal, external? Is there an external source. You know, those are all the pieces. They don't make a judgment on right, wrong. They examine how do people respond when they have varying degrees of spiritual commitment. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Yes. Um, we could go deep on that, but we but we don't we, have time. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, uh, you know, and so I will end with the book that, you know, kind of sums it up. And, and the reason I wanted to end with this book is because Throughout all of this work um, and in the grounding of this work, one of the cornerstones is that they really want you to focus on your natural strengths and working at identifying them, staying focused on them, bringing yourself up through them, really seeing them in your daily life, and that that is a keystone way to propel to all the things in positive emotions that then help the things in flourishing and achievement. Well, there is one exception to the strengths that if you don't have this particular strength in your top five, whereas they want you to really focus on your top five, they say, well, except if you don't have (laughs) this one, add it in because it becomes an overarching strength. And that's the strength of gratitude. Yeah. And I love this because you know I'm a gratitude junkie. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, are, do you want to share anything about that from your perspective? No, because people hear me talk about this all the time. All the time. Okay. <laughs> so, so let's hear it from your mouth. 
Okay. So the book that I recommend is called literally The Little Book of Gratitude, and it's by Dr. Robert Emmons. Now, Robert Emmons is the primary researcher in gratitude in the grounding of the science of how does it impact life. And he was convinced, and I am grateful that he was, to actually put together something, a, a little book, and it is truly little, like I, I don't know how many inches it is, but it's it's a little book. It's 95 pages long, and it's about a four by five type of book. And to actually do a book that more akins to what you would find in the self-help genre, so that people would get a quick feel, and he honestly weaves the great science in it. And also very specific tips on how to do it. And here was the one tip, you know, if I was only allowed to say one thing from every book, the one thing that I took away from this book on gratitude was that the reason people get frustrated and don't either one know how to be grateful or roll their eyes when other people say, I'm grateful for you, is because when you express gratitude, you should affirm and acknowledge, which means that you are identifying who, what, where, when in the context so that you're just not saying, I am grateful. Because that actually, particularly for those cynics listening, I know that it gets frustrating. I know what it's like to roll your eyes when someone says they're blessed or I'm grateful. And gratitude is such a critical human characteristic for us to develop that this little book really gives you a great mix of both the science, the tips, and the very specific thing that will make you know that when you are saying, I am grateful, you know that you have spoken it in a really authentic way. And of course, that will then make someone happy. That is really good. Yeah, because you know, as you know, we've talked a lot about gratitude on the show and his book really does spell it out it so does. well. It makes it so simple. And, and you know, gratitude is yeah. simple. It's one of the simplest things that you can adopt, um, but that doesn't mean it's easy. Correct. So. Correct. And so, you know, everyone, you know, as we roll into the next few months, all of us have a smidge more time one way or the other, whether it's in a car, on a walk, those that are back, to actually commuting. And all of these books can be gotten in one form or another for you to be able to add to your library of knowledge so that when you see the quote, you'll be able to identify why is this real? Why is this important? This is such a great conversation. This is such great perspective. And I love how you framed it. And it really does help us connect the two worlds of where we are today and where it all came from. So I really appreciate your insight and and you you putting it together for us. And tell me you'll come back and we can have conversations like this again. Well, I absolutely want to, because of course, one of the big things that we didn't get, I mentioned Chris Peterson's name a number of Mm, times, but we didn't dive into the, you know, Positive psychology is about the values in action. And I have had the joy in the last year of being able to interview CEOs and presidents, female CEOs and presidents across nonprofits, huge corporations, startups. And when you listen to their explanatory style, it is so fun. The podcast is Hey Boss Lady. And it is so fun for me to get to hear 
when they're saying, you know, how do you, how did you get through that? I used humor. You know, how did you develop that new market? I've always been a curious person. You know, there's just <laughs> so many ways that you begin to hear the strengths. And I would love for us to get to talk about that. All right. Well, we will make that happen. All right. Um, and what we'll do is we're going to tell everybody, we're going to send them to our webpage and we'll have links cool. to each of these books so that they can get them in whatever form they need to. And we'll tell them a little bit more about you. And, and in the Super. meantime, Andrea, thank you again for coming on and being a guest and talking to us about these marvelous books. It is one of my joys to get to spread this information, especially in the form of the grounding mothers and fathers. Thank Have you. a beautiful summer. You too. That was Andrea Gigline talking about five must-read positive psychology books. If you'd like to learn more about Andrea or any of the books we've just discussed, visit us at livehappynow.com and follow the links. That is all we have time for today. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all-new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one. <laughs>